Welcome to the Inside Out Podcast. We are your hosts, Sarah and Tyler. On this podcast, we cover the ins and outs of everything mindset, happiness, and self-development related. We share with you our experiences and perspective on life and how you can shine your brightest, create your own magic, and glow from the inside out. Expect nothing less than real, raw transparency as we help you unlock and embrace your true self. We'd love your feedback, so feel free to contact us or follow along on our journey at Sarah Dalge and at It's Tyler James. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the podcast. podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Inside Out Podcast. It has been a little while since we've recorded our last podcast as Sarah was traveling to Bali and I've been in between jobs. Now that we have our routine and time a little bit more in check, we're really keen to be moving forward. So we're super excited to start interviewing some guests on our podcast. And our very first guest was Navar Pool. Navar is one of the owners of Strength and Motion Academy, which is a gym in Midland. And he's also a life coach. Um, I've known Navar for a few years now, but more just followed his journey from afar But we were so keen to get him on the podcast and dive deeper into his story and find out a little bit more about his past and how he got to where he is today. So like we said, we're super keen to be moving forward and hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. All right. So it's uh, finally good to be able to talk to you now. Um, We've been going back and forth with um, DMs and it's finally good Mm. to be able to meet you. Um, Sarah and I have been hanging out for this podcast because of the value that we think we're going to be able to give to our audience. Um, so I guess the the first thing, we might as well get straight into it, straight into the questions. Um, yeah. Pretty much our first one we want to start off with is just like telling us about yourself. Um, mm. Just uh, let the audience know like who you are and stuff like that. Perfect, perfect. I'll start from the beginning. I might as well jump straight yeah, into yeah, it. So, uh, Midland born, uh, born in Midland and grew up in Stratton pretty much my whole entire life. Uh, went to a handful of primary schools. I didn't really do very well in school. I ended up in Swanview High School, I ended up dropping out of school in year 11 actually. Uh, and then throughout that journey, I've always known that I wanted to do health and fitness or move into mindset because I struggled a lot with, uh, suicide and depression and just really bad environments my whole entire life. So I then moved into health and fitness, did a lot of like, uh, self work, got my, uh, bachelor's in counseling as well. So did counseling as well. And then, yeah, just progressed from there to the point now where we own, I own strength and motion Academy with my business partner, Josh Hardy, which is where we are now. Yep. And uh, yeah, now I'm a life coach, business owner, entrepreneur, uh, personal trainer. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, the fast track of what I am. And yeah, yeah, I am. fast track. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you mentioned about your, um, you know, your childhood. You you didn't do very well in school. You um, you know, uh, how you know you you said you were suicide and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So would you be able to go a little bit more into your childhood and like that that upbringing that that you had? Yeah, absolutely. So. Firstly, like whenever I discuss about my parents, you know, I always say that I love my parents and my parents did the best they could with the tools that they had. I have a lot of respect and love for my parents and what they've been through. So my mum was adopted and she was brought up in New Zealand with her, uh, you know, the parents that adopted her. Uh, you know, my dad was a bit of a black sheep in his family. His father was a uh, was in the army and then became a priest and was a priest for 50 years as well. So. And his mum was very strict, so he grew up in a very strict family and he kind of rebelled against that as well. And so my parents had a little bit of a rough upbringing and that mm. kind of, you know, limited the tools that they had to also bring up myself and my brother. And uh, I think I was a bit of a, you know, a, a kid that was diagnosed with ADHD and, at a young age as well. So, so growing up, my parents had me at a young age and they just didn't have the right tools. You know, they really struggled in disciplining my brother and I uh they'll very 
a lot of emotions, are very emotional people, a lot of aggression, a lot of anger, a lot of yelling, a lot of, you know, a really disruptive mm. environment. So that didn't help me in my confidence and my own well-being as well because they're very uh, suppressing. They suppress me a lot, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, there was a lot of times in our life where my brother and I would misbehave. My parents didn't know what to do, so they would literally lock us in our bedroom, take the door handle off the door so we couldn't leave our bedroom. So mm-hmm. stuff like that, they are very, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, manhandling and stuff like that as well. So we're kind of just in a very... I was in a very fearful place where I was very scared of my parents. I was very suppressed. Um, wasn't really allowed to do... I didn't feel like I was allowed to do much within my own house. Um, so that added to, you know, me not feeling like I was able to speak up or even feel like I had a lot of love, you know, I didn't really feel like I was supported or loved in any essence, majority of life, because I was diagnosed ADHD as well, as a young age, and through that, I was isolated, I was isolated pretty bad in school, you know, like, uh, they're like, well, this kid's got ADHD, is disruptive, and so what they would do, just like my parents, is throw you in the corner, or throw you in a room by yourself, you know, and just isolate you from everyone else, because that, you know, I'm a class clown and disrupted to the rest of the people. Do you think you were um, disruptive in class because of like, could it do something to do with validation? Because you didn't have that love and support at home. Maybe you were trying to get like that validation in class. 100%. I think you're right. I think at a very young age, and it's very hard for me to know my whole thought process as a child. Mm. So I don't, I don't know, but I I would have to say 100%. I would say my home environment added to me wanting to be seen in school yeah wanting to be heard and wanting to be popular and so i was really big into trying to reach stature you know i was really big into trying to be seen and be popular exactly yeah Yeah. i was very much the sort of person like for a long time where i wanted to be the big alpha dog yeah you know and i started martial arts at a young age because my dad used to be a fighter so i started martial arts when i was like four and i've been really good at martial arts my whole entire life so I, I played on that majority of my life to create stature and to also create fear, you know? Yeah. And that's when I got my first tattoo of respect on my arm because that was when I was 19. And I was 19, I was like, wow, no one actually loves me. Everyone's scared of me. Mm-hmm. All the friends that I thought I had were just terrified of the things that I would do because I would normally, you know, attack and fight and, and hit before even speaking. So a lot of my life was like that being suppressed and then I suppressed myself I self-sabotaged because everyone said that my parents said I was a shit child my parents blamed me for all their bad habits saying that it was because of me that my dad moved into bad habits because Mm. I was a shit child so I heard that my whole entire life teachers said the same thing as a shit child with ADHD so they isolated me as well which then created this limiting belief within myself that oh man I must be this person you know, I must be someone with ADHD that can't concentrate, that is a class clown, that, you know, is disruptive. And so if society sees me that way, then I must be that. And so I did that subconsciously as a child, and it wasn't until I became a man, an adult, that I realised, oh, wow, that's actually what society put upon me. So and what actually caused that, like, switch to flick for you to sort of realise mm, what you were doing and what made you actually change that? Great question. It was, it was, this is so weird, so I feel like it's very fate you know it's really hard for me to not see it as something that you know you the universe itself has created because it was when I was about 19 my one of my mum's best friends she was a uh, like a activities manager for uh, immigration for detention centers and she was going on this cruise for like eight weeks right 
And so she wanted someone to fill in for her position. And so I just got my personal training cert, fresh out of it. Didn't know anything about personal training, but she trusted me and she wanted me to go out and do her job. So I went and worked away in Derby outside Broome for 10 weeks. You just didn't, you're away for 10 weeks and home for four. And it's my first time by myself, like, and it was outside in Derby. So there's no phone reception, no internet. So I had nothing. So no way of communicating with the outside world. And that, that experience itself isolated me from my family and from my friends and allowed me time to kind of just listen to myself. Mm. I started to, I had this urge, which is really weird, my first experience of meditation, but I had this urge to turn off my light, lay down on the hard floor because I felt like it was going to be good for my posture. And I lay down on the floor and I'll just close my eyes and listen to myself. And I didn't even know this was a thing. It was really weird. And so I started doing that. And then I started feeling the urge to write things down, yeah. just to write down what was going in my mind and write down what I wanted and where I'm going. And so during that, I started doing that. And I started reading books like uh, by Dan Millman, like The Way of the Peace of Warrior and uh, The Art of Happiness by Dalai Lama and Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yeah. And like, they're all my three best books. And I was so obsessed with them. And this is the first time I've ever read. You know, What age was this again, sorry? 19. 19, yep. So I spent my whole entire life not reading or studying or being called stupid. I didn't even think I'd be able to retain information. Yeah. Like I've been a bit of a street rat my whole entire life, right? And so I started like this urge to read and meditate and journal. And then I started exercising and gained 14 kilos in my first 10 weeks there. So the first time I started doing weightlifting outside of Muay Thai. And then it was just, I didn't even know something shit within me. You know, I was also... Yeah, it just happened. It's just like any ego death. You don't really plan an ego death. It just mm. happens. Like these things just come into your face. Like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. And so that happened. And it wasn't until I came back home. And just, and I remember it so profoundly. Because I feel like this is the first time that I actually consciously did something in my life. Mm. I feel like until I was 19, I don't have many memories. Because the majority of my life was just subconscious. Off of society and my parents and my teachers. And everyone telling me that I am this. And so I was what they told me I am. Yeah, we, we called that autopilot. The autopilot is basically 100%. what it is. It's just you're you're doing what you want to do, or you're doing what everyone thinks that you should be doing. And yeah. It's just like there's no consciousness of what you're doing and how you're doing it. Exactly. And once you reach that as well, when you start to reach consciousness and you realize, oh wow, most people are living through that. They're on autopilot, which sucks. Which is why I'm so passionate about doing what I do because mm. I want to move people from being on autopilot, being subconscious, to being conscious and and piloting their own life with intent. Yeah. yeah. With actually like their own intent, like that's where I want to go, so they go there. Um, and so it wasn't until I came back home that I then had this experience where my dad, so like my dad would play games and, uh, you know, drink alcohol and smoke weed and what have you, but he was pretty, he was pretty, uh, what's the word I could say? Uh, selfish is mm. probably the best way to say it. Yeah. So he'll play games in the living room and if we ever played any games or use the internet and if it ever disrupted his experience, he would be furious. Like, I've never seen someone so angry in my whole entire <laughs> life, to be honest. And he will come into the... So I was playing League of Legends at the time, uh, good old League, mm -hmm. with one of my friends and we were in my bedroom playing some games, you know, and this is like my first week back from being away from everyone for 10 weeks. And I was way more calmer, I didn't, but I wasn't conscious of it. And then he came into my bedroom with my friend and just losing his shit you know and he's the sort of person that would like break doors punch doors down knees door down like break tvs break windows he's the sort of guy right so he came through and he was yelling at me and my friend and that was when it clicked and i was like wow like this is why i'm depressed hmm. yeah. and it's the first time it actually just it woke me up that's when i, I remember i just like i was so angry because i took my dad's anger you know i was just 
that's the the way that my family operated was just fight mm. force against force yeah so I was just so angry and I hadn't experienced that anger for like 10 weeks and I was like wow and it's clicked I remember and I just yelled out it's the first time I've actually yelled it out I didn't even know I was I was I was suicidal off of autopilot I was depressed off of autopilot I didn't even know and then that happened and I just yelled I was like this is why I want to kill myself I remember yelling I was like this is why I want to kill myself and unfortunately from that like experience like anger came out and then I ended up smashing three doors down and then ran. I just I remember running. I just ran away, and I was kept running because I had I had to get away. I had to use this energy and move it. So I ran and ran and ran and just like blood all over my arms and my hands. And that was just the the moment when I was like, this is it. Hmm. Like I now I know I know what the problem is. I know what I where I want to go. I know this isn't me. And that that was what changed my life. That That's was the crazy, most profound yeah. experience I ever had, and I'll I'll never forget it. Mm. Yeah. I don't think you could forget it to be honest. That's I pretty, couldn't. Yeah. 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 Nice. So where did you go from there then? After yeah. that experience? Oh, everywhere. That's a great question. I then started doing. That's when I started doing my counselling as well. So I started still doing. Still living at home. Still living at home. Yeah. 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 Still living at home. I think like I'm the sort of person that kind of enjoys discomfort in some ways, which yeah. I think is a really big strength of mine, but also a curse. I could put myself into discomfort too much. Mm. Uh, so I kind of stayed within an environment for a couple of reasons. I love my parents. Yeah. I love them so much. And I know that their behaviors and the way that they act out is purely out of like survival for themselves. I don't think it's lack of love in any way. I think it's more they're trying to protect themselves that it just comes out that way. So that was a real big challenge. So, but I didn't want to move because I wanted to be there for them. You know, I've always wanted to be strong enough for my parents. I always felt like I was a bit of a parent for them in some way. So I never wanted to move out. And I also wanted to stay in that environment to use it as kind of a guideline for seeing my growth. So I stayed at home, started doing my counselling, doing my bachelor's in counselling. Then I started like doing, I stayed at detention centres for about two years, trying to get used to the environment. And it was a really good environment for me to be away from home for 10 weeks and to be by myself. And I liked the lifestyle that I had. All I did was work and then gym, ate well, read books and just meditated. And so I stayed there for two years and then I started doing sales jobs. So I worked for like Telstra and sales on the phone. So I wanted to be good at that. I also did like charity work in shopping centers. I was one of those annoying people that tried to go. Oh man. Even I don't like them, but I wanted. And it's because it was out of my comfort zone. So I did that, gained some confidence in myself to be able to sell and talk to people because I was really socially anxious like mm. I was so scared of people finding out the truth about me that I didn't want to be seen yeah. you know so I was always only putting myself into really aggressive like party scenes lots of drugs lots of violence and all that because that was the environment I was comfortable in because no one really saw the true me they just saw yeah. the aggressive angry me and I was comfortable in that and then yeah then did that for a while did some sales and then started my own PT studio that blew up within my first year I was like I was turning down like five to ten people a week and I didn't have anywhere to refer them on. And then I had to open a larger gym, which is when I opened up SMA. And now yep. it's three years in the future. So, but awesome. the journey's been long. It's been a long journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look back and it doesn't seem like that long, but like, literally, it's just during the time, it just feels so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how did you find like the confidence in yourself and like with mm. everything you've, you've been through, like mentally, mm. to actually have so much belief in yourself to venture into like starting up your own gym or your mm. own studio in the first place like yeah because i can resonate so much with what you're saying and like my biggest issue would be like self-worth which mm. causes me to self-sabotage mm. so like 
where did you sort of transition past thinking this is all I am, just mm. this person, person with like ADHD and like no self-worth to believing in yourself to actually take that next step mm. and become an entrepreneur? It's a good question because I feel like a part of me always wanted, like a part of me always knew I'm have more potential and greater than I am. And I think we all have that within us. And then I started like, it wasn't that I believed in myself. It's that I knew that I had to love myself. You know, I knew that love was an action. If I look at any relationship that I have with other people, love is acting. You know, you can't just be like, hey, I love you, but then not act that out. You know, mm. you have to show that love, uh, you know, um, you know, well, actually speak louder than words. So it wasn't so much that I had self-belief in myself. I doubted myself a lot. And I still have a lot of doubt in myself as I move into new spaces. And I think that's normal as well. Uh, I think you definitely get better at reading that doubt and listening to it as more of a messenger and not taking it on board and saying, I'm not good enough. It's more like, oh, I have doubt here because I feel like this is important. So it makes me nervous and anxious and what have you. I just knew that like, even if I didn't believe in myself, I still had to act. Like I knew I was worth more. I knew that I deserved love as we all deserve love. And so I was like, well, I'm not receiving love outside of myself. I technically didn't love myself in those moments, but I knew that I needed to deliver our love to myself anyway. And so it was more like, just act on it. Just act and give myself love and act and give myself what I believe I deserve. As if I had a loving partner, a person that I love within my life that I would do anything for. Because mm. I'm a very external person. I love people so much. All of my drive is for other people. Every single thing I do every single day, even the podcast, like I wouldn't do this podcast for me. I'm doing this for you guys and for everyone else. Like the yeah. people that are going to listen. Yep. And likewise for you guys, I'm sure you do the same. Yep. Like you guys are creating this content for other people. And so I go, if I have that love for other people, how come I can't deliver that for myself? And then so I just, I go, okay, well, if I can't believe in myself so much right now and not have that love just through thought, what actions can I create to create that person that I believe I am and to also deliver myself love that I believe I deserve? And through those actions and through that lifestyle and through those habits, eventually I reaped the reward and eventually I started to gain more self-belief and self-love for myself. And so it was, it was purely just out of action. Because I still go through those moments now. If I have self-doubt and something within business that I move into, I don't move into that space to go, I know everything. Yeah. I'm quite the opposite. I'm quite a student with everything because I feel like there's layers for everything. I can know something, but there's so many other layers to what I can know. Different perspectives and stuff as well, yeah. And that as yeah. well. Yeah, you can have two sides of a coin, but you could be looking at one side. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole other side to that coin you're not seeing. So I'm, not, I'm very good at accepting that. And so whenever I knew, move into a new space, it's not that like, oh, I'm the best, I know this. It's like, okay, well, I want to move into this space, you know, out of love for myself. If this is what I want to do, let's just do it. See, how, how I look at it as well is when I move into a new space like that, the first thing I start thinking is who can I reach out to mm. to teach me a new way? Yeah. So instead of like, to say like PT or whatever, you go into PT, you don't go into PT thinking you're the best PT out there and you're going to be able to deliver all the value in the world. You go, okay, what can I learn from this person? What can I learn from that person? You look at all the different people that you can learn from yeah. and that's how I kind of get comfortable in like moving into a new space is I'll reach out to what I can learn. Mm. So... Um, yeah, that's just kind of like what you're saying, like when you move into a new space. Yeah. Could there be one thing though that you think is like the changing factor? Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like one thing that you would put it down to that helped you change, like transition your mindset more than anything. Like, yeah. Was it reading the books or was it the meditation or mm. you just think it was just a combination of all those things? Like obviously it was a combination, but do you know what I mean? 100%, the most profound meditation journaling. 100%. I think the, the greatest thing 
And everyone I study now, they say that everything that, and when we think about it, everything that's created isn't through studying, it's through the silence. Hmm. It's through the silence with yourself when you start to listen and go, and listen to yourself, and then you start to create from that thought. And that's the greatest thing that I think I've ever had in my home, like since this journey, is the ability to actually sit with myself, listen to myself, and create through journaling. Journaling to me is this, the most beautiful thing you could ever do. Like it's literally expression of yourself onto paper. And then if you want to turn that into something else, you can. But without that process of meditation and self-thought and uh, like self-discovery and self-taught, uh, self-thought, sorry, and you don't put that onto paper or write it down so you can capture it, then you don't know. And I, I, I think that's the most profound thing you could ever do. And you still do that now? All the time. I notice a difference as well. Like I, I slip, yeah. you know, there'll be moments where I don't do it. But when I do meditate and when I do journal, my life is just so profound. Yeah. And the longer I've done it, like I said, like I'm a student of everything still, you've reached so many layers. Like I just think that I've reached a point like, my ego would go, oh, okay, I'm fucking great at this, right? And then you reach another level of meditation journey, like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. There's so many layers to who we are as human beings. And the only way to discover that is to create that relationship with yourself. That that's, that's me into, um, <clears throat> with meditation, like when I meditate, it's, um, I, I'm still learning meditation, the right way to do it. Like there is no right way to do it. It's like, you're trying to find yourself, you know what I mean? So, um, you say that you journal, whereas when I've researched it, it's, uh, it's telling me more to stay quiet, to, to try and observe your thoughts, but let them go. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been doing. So I've been trying to stay in more of a silent, environment when i'm meditating so you say you journal so does that mean that the thoughts that you're observing you write them down so you listen to your thoughts rather than trying to get them out does yeah, that make sense good question i do them separately yeah okay. so i do meditation by itself and i do journaling by itself okay and so my meditation it's actually something that i learned when i was listening to um oh i can't remember uh dandapani uh, Dan Apani's a monk, uh, but he moved away from being a monk to now being, you know, a public speaker and a public figure to show it to the Western society. But he talks about when that he was a monk in the monastery, you know, people had this perception of meditation just being removing all thoughts completely. And he goes, it's quite common actually to, if you have something within your life, something that your ego is battling or something you're battling internally, that it's actually important to go through those thoughts and to discover it and to break those down. And so he goes, there are times and moments where you need to be completely silent, where just, uh, you know, reach out to the place where things sort itself out subconsciously. There's also times throughout your uh, meditation process where you do need to be more conscious throughout your meditation to be able to break down and process something. Yeah, okay. So different styles of meditation. Uh, I started out doing like guided meditations and removing all thought. But then I think the point of that though like to me anyway, and that's what Dana Pani talks about, is the point of meditation is to then be able to concentrate and process thoughts better throughout yeah. your everyday life. Like it's being more in control of the thoughts rather than exactly. just like getting rid of them kind of thing. And that's where it benefits to do both because I think the act itself of removing thought is learning how to control it as well mm. to be able to process it quicker. But then you also need to have moments where you need to process something that is really challenging because mm. if you learn how to process that through meditation, you should throughout your everyday life be able to process it quicker there on the spot. So different sorts of meditation styles for sure but normally I journal at different times so normally I journal at the end of the day without meditation and then I'll journal um, sorry meditate midday I always yeah. journal midday I find that works best uh, I do like a mind move in the morning do meditation midday and at night I journal mm. yeah yeah Different. Yeah, it's interesting. So I was going to say, I think I think a lot of people get confused with meditation because it is such a uh, new area at the moment for people yeah. um, 
it's the confusion of like what they're meant to be feeling. They don't know what they're meant to be feeling. Are they meant to be quiet? Are they meant to be listening to their thoughts? Are they meant to be trying to like, you know, have no thoughts? Like mm. I think people get really confused. So it's good talking to you about how there is different types and, and it's yeah. good to know when to do the different types of meditation. So mm. I started out trying to keep quiet during my meditation, became quite good at it mm. um, and then I started to have more thoughts during my meditation which I thought was weird at the time because I was like mm. I shouldn't be doing this like I should be getting better at meditation mm. and better at letting go mm. but what it was actually doing is helping me control my thoughts a lot better and I was feeling a lot better from the actual thoughts coming in yeah. but now I haven't actually meditated in a little while mm. um, I think it is ego to be honest I think it's like an ego thing because I thought I got that good or I got good at meditation that I'm almost, I feel like I'm almost meditating all the time, really. Like when I drive to work, I never listen to my radio. When I drive home from work, never listen to radio. Um, Sometimes I listen to podcasts, but usually I'm just like concentrating on breathing, being aware. I sometimes read street signs. I sometimes um, read number plates because it's like, it's what you're seeing in the moment. I'm trying to be aware. Um, And what that usually leads to is having very deep conversations with myself on why I'm feeling a certain way. Um, So if I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling just a little bit off, um, I'm starting to become very good at finding the reason why. Yeah. Um, and that's actually what I did my, the, the stories that you um, commented on the other day, that's mm-hmm. kind of like what I'm going into yeah. is um, just being able to understand why I'm feeling a certain way and being able to have that conversation with myself, I think is very empowering. But what you said about, you know, the difference mm-hmm. when you don't meditate is yeah. what I'm starting to feel now. So I'm starting to, become more and more lost even though I know what the emotion is that I'm feeling Mm. and I do think that that's I have to get back into the rhythm of Mm. meditation I think so I think we need to like so you got your autonomous nervous system so you got parasympathetic and sympathetic so sympathetic being fight or flight or you know um, or freeze or what have you and being more doing and catabolic you know where the parasympathetic is rest and digest and the more relaxed I think a lot of pe- like a lot of people miss the parasympathetic. Like it's an act itself. We need to put ourselves into stillness and into you know, like if if you guys follow Paul Check, but you know Doctor Quiet is what he talks about. But you need to put yourself into an environment where there's stillness. You know, we can meditate throughout our day, and, and that's the goal. You want to be able to meditate constantly. Mm. You always want to be constantly in concentration and focus. However, even if we're really good at that, we still need to put ourselves into a state of stillness for our body to just relax and move into the parasympathetic state mm. because even if we're meditating through driving and with their silence what have you there's still action there's still movement there's still processing processing of the brain we're yep. still processing stuff so if we put ourselves in a stillness it's just like it's so funny I remind myself of this all the time I get caught in the trap of doing too much not sleeping enough mm. and to me there's such a world difference between 7 hours and 8 hours of sleep and I notice it's so different but the reason why I stay caught in the I get stuck in the thought process. I need to stay awake longer to think about things, to process things, to find answers. But how many times have we go to bed with an issue, with a question, right? And we can't figure it out. We go to sleep, we wake up and it's figured out. Yeah. It happens all the time. And I think we need to put ourselves more into those situations. We need to put ourselves into situations more where there's silence and we allow our subconscious to actually break down and find answers. Because I think our intellectual brain and our logical brain can only process so much. And we overbear it so often that it actually is just so 
tired and exhausted that when we try and figure something out, it's not, it doesn't have the capability to do it because there's so many other things that are being processed at once. Yeah, so then what would you, so what would advice be? Because there are a lot of people that have that issue where they, um, they have a lot on their mind mm. and they actually can't get to sleep because of what's on their mind and yeah. they struggle to fall asleep. So what would your advice be for if that's happening to someone if they can't actually get to sleep with this thought mm. you know what just I mean how to switch off yeah how do you switch off yeah. in general yeah. great question I think just patience first so it's just like going to the gym right like if you stress your body for so long with bad diet lack of sleep coffee no, no training rest. no rest, no rest yeah. exactly all these things it's going to take time for your body to catch up by doing those ha- habits mm. right someone hasn't been training for 30 years and they go to the gym and they expect to get results within 3 months it's not going to happen I mean like they will get results but People tend to, uh, you know, overestimate their results within such a short period of time. Same thing I think happens with sleep. If you're sort of person that's like an A type or, you know, someone that thinks a lot and really struggling to shut off their brain before going to bed, the biggest mistake I see a lot of people do is they, they allow that. They try and distract it by turning on YouTube or by watching TV. <laughs> you know, people go, yeah. you know, I can't sleep without noise, you know, and that's super common. And because they're trying to escape their thoughts, that doesn't work. Yeah, It never happens, it never works because you're trying to distract your mind with, with something else. The reality is you're then trying to process that and because everything to us is a mirror, we'll watch a TV show, whether we're aware of it or not, but we would then look at characters within a movie or a TV show, what have you, and start to relate to it. And so our, our conscious brain will start to look at that character and start to process it as if it's ourselves. And so we're just adding more stress onto it. So if someone's really struggling to go to sleep, just put yourself into that space and just lay there. Mm. And eventually you'll get better at those thoughts and silence and you'll go to sleep. You know what I think it is? For me personally, it's the fear of actually being alone with your thoughts. 100%. And the fear of like facing it, I think. 100%. Like you want to be able to switch off, but it's so much easier to distract yourself or try yeah. to escape than it is to actually try and sit there and process it. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Like it's so scary processing our own thoughts for so many reasons. I think uh, the judgment of ourselves, I think that's the biggest thing. Like we find something within ourselves that we're not happy with and then we judge ourselves so harshly off of it. And then we just want to escape it because of the judgment for ourselves. So my advice to anyone is you're only as perfect as you are now. And the truth is that you're going to be so much worse at so many things than you are good at things. Mm. Right, and this is what I love about Gary Vee. He talks about he goes, you might be good at like a handful of things, but you're going to be terrible mm. at a million things because the reality is there's so many things you can do within this life. There's so many things. There's so many options, and so I think what we do is we get so caught up in comparing ourselves off of things that we can't do, and we judge ourselves off of that instead of actually just finding love for ourselves for the the handful of things that we're good at. And so when we try and move into those thoughts of ourselves, we judge ourselves really hard. So that's really scary to move into those thoughts. Um, and then also, I think also externally, like through society, we are scared to move forward because we feel like we're going to be lonely. We're going to leave people behind. We don't want to hurt people and upset people. It's just like a breakup. Like the biggest thing that most people are scared of with a breakup is actually hurting their partner. Mm. You know, like you have that sense of relief, like, oh, I want to, this is, this is better for me. I want to move forward. I want to move forward in my life. This relationship isn't working for me. But then we're so scared to move out because we don't want to hurt that other person. Yeah. And I think the same thing goes for, you know, we're scared of moving to our thoughts because we're scared of actually accepting ourselves and moving away from the environments we're in because we don't want to hurt those people as well. So I think there's so many factors to it. However, I think that there's two ways you could go about it. You could try and distract your mind forever and escape it, but know that you're lying to yourself because we know. Catches Um, up with you eventually. 
Exactly, and it'll catch up with you eventually. Whether, whether it's on your deathbed or whether it's like later in your that's life. That's something I 100% agree with. I think everyone knows deep down what it is that's bothering them, yeah. but they actually convince themselves that mm-hmm. they don't know because mm-hmm. they don't want to face that issue exactly. of having to communicate with that person that's upsetting them with um, uh, confronting their parents about something. Yeah. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're just too scared to, to take action on it. So mm-hmm. they use obviously the excuse of, um, oh, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I don't know what's wrong when I I try truly believe that after obviously my experiences as well mm-hmm. um, I'd believe deep down you always know what the issue is yeah. you just need to be able to admit that to yourself exactly in, yeah and be able to make those changes yeah exactly yeah that's the hardest part actually taking yeah. action on the on the stuff yeah and I think that's <laughs> what most people are scared of yeah yeah, yeah. so touching on um, you just said about relationships mm. do you think your upbringing mm-hmm. um, did that like sort of overflow into your relationships at all like did that yeah. shape how you were in relationships or have you sort of noticed a change from like your earlier relationships compared to like now mm. years later good question yeah, a very good question yeah 100 it, it ruined my relationship with everyone including myself uh i have a lot of had still have i won't lie you know a lot of trust issues and abandonment issues and what have you i didn't really have an environment ever that i felt loved or accepted yeah and i think it was also a part of myself the fact that I suppressed my own being as well and wasn't congruent with my true self because I felt like, you know, I felt like society and my parents weren't accepting me. So I then also suppressed my true self. So that also affected, you know, my ability to have trust in other people because I never really showed myself to other people, mm. you know, so how are they going to accept that anyway? So that was, that's also my own fault, my own undoing. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a massive difference now between my relationship with everyone. I remember my body posture, I used to, everyone used to joke about it, like I used to have my arms closed, I used to be really closed off, I never used to hug people or be close to people, I never really liked physical touch because the physical touch I got from my parents were either being controlled and being, you know, uh, disciplined yeah, disciplined, yeah, being disciplined by my parents physically, and then, or being hugged or touched out of love for apology. Mm. My parents would only touch me either if they were really angry or when they are apologising. I never received just a random act of love. Yeah. Very rarely. It was always to apologize or, uh, well, the love was only to apologize or the other physical touch was from a negative place. So I had a, I had a lot of issues. Yeah, I was pretty damaged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really more exciting for me to become the person I am now and to also life coach people because I've experienced a lot of yeah. that. Mm. Um, my relationships are so much different now. I didn't have a lot of self-worth, so I moved into relationships that... Uh, that I sort of took, got taken advantage of. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I was very in service to my partners, and I never chose a relationship with a strong woman because I didn't think I was worthy, which I'm only doing right now as I'm moving into this relationship with uh, someone who's slightly older. It's a couple of years older, but she's very mature and very conscious, and a lot of you know limiting beliefs did come from moving into this relationship. Mm. Uh, yeah, and also realized like. Another part why I didn't move into relationships with someone strong and powerful, someone I want to be with, it, because I knew I had to step up and I had to move out of certain environments as well. And I didn't feel like I was ready. Mm. My ego felt like it wasn't ready, you know. So, yeah, it really did affect me uh, and this journey of working on myself, but also having such a great team here. My mm. team, my business partner, Josh Hardy, and then my two original team members, Kirsty and Joel, have stuck by me from the beginning. There were moments where I get so angry. I'll get so triggered if something happened because I didn't feel like I was in control so I'll act out to try and get in control. Mm. So I'll get aggressive and try and 
devalue others instead of trying to increase my value because I didn't believe I had value I'll try and devalue others mm. to see myself as higher and it's a terrible trait and I did it quite a bit do you, you and you mean as well like blaming others rather than like taking accountability type thing exactly yeah because it was so painful for me to accept that I had problems yeah it was it was a challenge for me to accept that I wasn't as great as I wanted to be and then once I started to accept and understand that I am just who I am in this moment and I'm not we're always going to have higher expectation of ourselves and there's always growth to be had. And once I accepted that, I was like, okay, well, this is just who I am now. I'm just going to work through with that and try and deliver as much love as I can. As long as I act out of love for myself and others, then I can't go wrong. Yeah. So, how, so how do you deal with other people's opinions then? Because obviously everyone yeah. always has judgment and opinions of other people. So how do you cope with opinions and judgment on yourself? Mm. Like, do you ever feel judged anymore? Do you, mm. do you feel that pressure of judgment from other people anymore? Mm. Um, like, you know, do you still feel that judgment or do you no longer feel the judgment, if that makes sense? That's yeah. a great question. Yeah, I did for a long time. I yeah. did for a long time, especially opening up this gym. We got a lot of flack. You know, me and my business partner, Josh, started at a young age. Like, I would have been 24 when I started this gym. Um, 24, 25? 27, 27 turning 28 next, next month. So, um, yeah, I would have been 25 turning 26 and I'm... <laughs> oh, no, sorry, 24 turning 25. Yeah, wow. So, I was 24 yeah. turning 25. I can't believe I was that young when I opened up a <laughs> large gym. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, my business partner's two years younger than me, so we are young. And we got a lot of flack. Like, a lot of the local gyms, a lot of people didn't believe in us. Um, so that that at first, yeah, we felt a lot of judgment, but that just... I was a, I'm a very... I was a very egotistical guy at the time. So whenever I got that judgment, I was like, you know, watch me. You know, like, yeah, I used yeah. it. Yeah. I, yeah, it drove me so much. Uh, which I was grateful for because it did drive a lot of it. But now I'm in the place now I'm like, I've succeeded so much and proven myself so much that, and I've received so much love and changed so many people's lives. Like all the time when I hear all these stories and when we're talking to Josh Porter outside and we're talking about the change that he's had in his life from just joining the space, like that fuels me. And so I don't even think about judgment anymore. Mm. Like it doesn't, the only people that I care about that, you know, it's not even judgment, it's just their awareness around me is, is my team, my closest friends. Mm. And I think that's healthy. I think because I have such a strong team and such strong th- tribe around me and they're so powerful and so successful in every area of their life that I care about their belief because I know that they're coming from a place of truth and love. Like they don't come from a place of just ego or judgment, it's purely out of love. And so I do care about their judgments, even though it's not judgment, but I care about their awareness around me. Yeah, their feedback. Yeah. Outside of that, I couldn't think, I don't think of anything else. It took me a long time to get to that point. Do you think that also relates more to you having more self-worth to yourself now yeah. as well, that you don't necessarily care about the opinions of others? Exactly. And that's what I think like action is so powerful because acting upon, we have moments where we're empowered, right? We have moments of willpower. Where we're like, oh man, I deserve this. I want to do this. And I just live off of that. I, mm. If I get this urge or this willpower to go, I want to do that, I throw myself in the deep end and commit because then you either sink or swim. I have mm. to figure out a way. And that's what I did with the business. I was like, I want to open a gym. I don't know what I'm doing. But however, it will force me to either sink or swim. And yeah. that experience itself will teach me a lot. And so I do that a lot because, yeah, once you create that action, multiple things happen. I create an authority for myself. I prove myself, but also I gain more confidence through that act itself. So I think it all happened collectively. I gained more self-confidence. I started to change people's lives. I started to get better feedback from the people that I love and all these messages from social media and Instagram and random people I don't even know that I'll see on the street and they know me. That's I love that. Mm. And 
seeing their feedback and how much I've changed their life and I'm not even talking to them. I don't even know who they are yeah. and I've changed their life. That is what I just focus on. I don't focus yeah. on anything else because you are going to get judgment, you know, and it's, and they're allowed to have that judgment. Yeah. Everyone has their own perception. Yeah. So, yeah. So this just gets me into like, I want to put in this scenario, right? Because this is actually something that I'm struggling with myself. So I'd love to hear your perspective, right? Mm. So say, so you're a trainer, mm. you own a gym. That's essentially your identity, yeah. right? You are a trainer who owns a gym, right? Yeah. Now, what would happen or how would you deal with it if you just woke up one morning, you no longer wanted to run a gym, you no longer wanted to be a trainer mm. um, and you completely switched up your identity? Like maybe, I'm not even sure what it is. I'm thinking a truck driver. Like you wanted yeah. to be a truck driver or just anything else that's not to your true identity. How mm. do you handle such a big change in your life that is completely switching up your identity? For sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. That's somewhat you like yeah, talked this about. Is, yeah. Yeah, this is what even Gary Vee talked about recently. Yeah. He talked about how sometimes he wishes he'll just wake up and he's something he wants to be something else. Yeah. And he'll move into that. And I think that's just it. I, I am what I am now because this is who I want to be. My whole entire identity like I'm just being congruent to myself it's not society's identity onto me it's I am expressing myself and I know that consciously mm-hmm. if I ever wake up one day and I go I just I just and sometimes I wish I would be cool if I, if that was my calling and yeah. I had a calling to just be a waiter I always have this thing of like just being a waiter and just talking to people and giving this awesome experience while I have dinner I would love to do that Yeah. however I know that if I was to do that I would have regret of not doing what I'm doing now because I feel like this is my gift and this is my potential and this is what I love to do it for a couple of reasons I get super excited for it but I'm also super nervous hmm. which pushes me to grow like yeah. this whole entire experience it makes every single day I'm so nervous but also so empowered and I think that's when you know you're on the right path if I wake up one day and I go I just want to be a waiter I'll do that I think the, the number one thing you should ever do is be happy and do what your like what your calling is if I have a calling to do anything else be a truck driver a waiter anything I will do that. Mm. And I, I will vow to myself to do that. However, I don't have that calling. Yeah, as I was going to say, it, it's hard to talk about it when it's like not actually happening. But do you reckon that you will suffer from any type of um, fear of other people's opinions? You know what mm, I mean? I don't think so. No? I don't, I don't think so because also I'm also in an environment where I'm trying to teach people to do what connects yeah. with them and makes yeah. them happy. So I'll feel more like a hypocrite if I didn't. If I wake up and I feel like I want to be something and I don't do that, then that is a message that I'm delivering to the world that I don't want to deliver. Yeah. You know, so if I'm not expressing myself fully, I want people to express themselves. So I think me being in this environment where I'm trying to help people express themselves fully, then for me to escape that and ignore that, then I'm being so incongruent with every single part of my being. Um, Do you ever or have you ever felt lost? Yeah, heaps. And it was, it's weirdly enough, it was actually limiting beliefs. Yeah. The amount of times that I felt lost starting this business, especially, it wasn't until like maybe the last six like, months did you or so. question, was this the right oh, thing? So like... many times. So, so many times. Still do that now? No, not no. anymore. Not anymore. Okay. It took me some time and I think it was like, it was purely off limiting belief. Hmm. I think deep down when I was, when I was empowered and I, after meditation or when I'm journaling, I'm like, hell yeah, I yeah. want to create this. Yeah. I feel powerful about it. The times that I actually felt lost with more limiting beliefs, it was more me questioning myself like, am I good enough for this? Or what if I don't reach it? But if I actually put my mind into, is that if I had all possibilities, if I could wake up today and be, and do one thing, what would I do? The answer is always to be a public figure, a life coach, an influencer, an inspirational person. I want to inspire people to be better than they are 
or to be a better version of themselves. Mm. I don't think we're ever going to reach our best version of ourselves. All I want to do is help people have the tools to become a better version of themselves. Or to continuously grow, really. Exactly. Like, that's all it really is. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't want them to reach a spot. You want them to basically just continuously grow forever, basically. Because yeah. that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be forever growth, really. I think life itself is based on the two things. Love. We need love and connection. We need that. And yeah. the second one is evolution. Us yeah. as a human race, as, as human beings, we need to have achievement and we need to have growth. Could mm. be growing more. Yeah. 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 We talk about that so often yeah. as well. Yeah. And I think that's what the problem is with, like, the world at the moment is that like we are driven by like love and connection really like i think deep down everyone is driven by love and connection but it's almost like if they're not getting that love and connection actively either through them giving it to themselves or from other people Mm. that's when you start seeking all things like materialistic things or validation and that kind of stuff which i think is sadly driving a lot of the world Mm, at the moment i agree but if we all came back to like our hearts really it is love and connection that drives the world Mm. yeah I agree. And then us, if we love truly, if we love the people around us, we will show up and give to them our love. And that's what I generally do. Like my whole entire life, I think about all tribal days. If you're not working or hunting or gathering or making or creating or doing something for your tribe to make a better life for the people that you love and for yourself, because it's we're one. Mm. There is no separation between me and my best friends and my tribe. Whatever I do and the way I behave influences them yeah, and impacts them. Yep. Same thing, vice versa. So... I think if we live off of that mentality of, you know, loving the people that we love, or well, loving everyone, but having your own tribe and trying to deliver and give to them as much as we can, whatever gift that we believe that we have, that we're good at, and what we want to give as well. And if we just do that every single day, then we're going to have a beautiful yeah. life. What was your vision with opening up this gym? Mm, yeah, it's the same thing as today, which is awesome. Uh, the biggest issue I had with a lot of the local gyms and all the gyms I've been to Besides my Muay Thai martial arts gym, so I'd, I've been doing martial arts since a young age, and the greatest thing about them is everyone's on their own journey, but so much, you know, respect for each other. You know, everyone's always supporting each other and helping each other. You never go into that space and no one wants you to succeed. Uh, everyone wants you to su- succeed, sorry. But when you go into these other gyms, there's none of that. You yeah. go in and you're just like, it's just a bunch of wolves in their own area, and everyone's just like howling at themselves, flexing it, yeah. you know, and it's just. What I want, and there's no education. The amount of times I've had people that have been training for five years and and don't know anything about periodization or programming or anything like that, technique and form, posture, health, the holistic approach as well. That that upset me because I could see a lot of people in pain and it's because they're looking in the wrong direction. Mm. They're not looking at the holistic approach. And there's almost like no answers out there for a person that's uneducated around this stuff. It's just like, you don't know where to look. And if you go to say Google, you can literally be led anywhere. Yeah. Like, there's no real holistic answer for someone. Exactly. And I think a lot of people are craving for that, that holistic approach, but because there's no one stepping out of that, no one's actually stepping up and being the pioneer for that, that a lot of people don't know where to go. You know, you'll just get like someone like um, uh, Bradley Martin or whatever, you know, like, is that his name? Bradley Martin? Bradley Martin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, who I love and he is in his alley and he's in his, he's doing his own thing and, and I respect that a lot but I find a lot of people looking for someone that is doing all of it you know someone that is happy and successful within their life while also achieving a healthy strong body you know while also you know having this you know aesthetic body as well looking good as mm. well like bringing it all down collectively so I wanted to create an environment where firstly everyone felt at home where people come in it's just a home 
there's no, there's none of this like feeling of, oh, I don't want to go there because I feel judged or I don't want to see this person, that person. I don't want an environment like that. I want an environment where people are more pulled to go because they're empowered by the environment. Mm. And that's what a coach is. A personal trainer is nothing more than someone that empowers them. Like if someone wants to find the education and do training, they can. But all they need is someone to empower them and inspire them to keep moving forward. So I wanted an environment that does that collectively. So, because a lot of people don't have the finance and income to even put into that. So an environment where it covers all that while also having an affordable price. And then the second thing was education. Like Mm. we put so much effort into educating our members on what they want to know and what we believe they need to know as well. Even Mm. if they're not aware of what they need to know, we also bring that awareness out of them. So sharing the more holistic sleep, you know, food, nutrition stuff that and mindset and journaling all that stuff like that and spirituality that people don't know they need but we know they do yeah. and we'll just slowly bring that in and we've had amazing results from that because how many times we've seen people go to the gym five days a week but not get results yeah it's because of their external life it's, yeah. it's, it's not it's not from the gym itself it's from what they do on an everyday basis so uh, our approach is to create health centers later down the road where we could have the greatest minds in one space and we want to create a hub all around the world the reason why is we think you need a home I think people don't have a home people don't have a place to go and Mm. having this space here for three years now has really cemented that belief because the amount of people that come through men and women that feel lonely that feel like they don't have people to connect with that share the same values and same beliefs and the amount like the amount of families that have been created through this space is just so astounding that's the most profound thing we've ever experienced is people making friendships people creating families here and so we want to create health centers around the world that will create families in each major city. And then we also, like, and within the health center, we want to have everything from a more holistic GP that will do blood testing, which will then be interlinked with like a, a naturopath that will also be able to check the blood profiles and be able to look at hormones and metabolism, and all that stuff. And then we also want to have stuff like meditational spaces, yoga, saunas, float tanks, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So the, the, the goal is to create a massive holistic health center in my, every major city around the world for the to be a place for home and then everything health related mm. yeah that's the focus and that's the goal that's big awesome. goal yeah it awesome. is big it is massive but that's awesome. and I used to put a lot of judgement on myself and pressure to try and reach that expectation but it doesn't matter whether I reach it or not as long as I make an impact and even if I leave this world not having accomplished a health centre in every major city at least I can leave something behind for someone else to c- carry on from mm. that's all I want to do yep so the, the next thing then for like, because obviously um, you would know a lot about habits. You know, habits mm-hmm. is what creates your goal, essentially. You have exactly. to create those habits every day and do them every day to, to create something as large as that. So I just want to know, what are some of the habits that you have implemented in your life and like mm-hmm. daily daily life mm-hmm. um, that have impacted you so heavily? Yeah, great question. So I think about this a lot because I'm trying to find, you know, the, the top five habits that someone could just follow at implement add to their life and create a much better life for themselves the very first one i find is a, a consistent sleep cycle i think that is by far the most important thing regardless of what you're doing in your life you're not having a consistent sleep cycle so your circadian rhythm if you're not going to sleep at the same time waking at the same time and getting your body into that habit and if you're not getting you know seven to eight hours sleep minimum then regardless of what you're doing throughout your day, it's it's going to be impacted. I think that's your baseline. You need to have that recovery. There's so many health benefits to sleep, which um, won't dive into, it'll be too much, but yeah. that's so important. And so do that first, because even if you want to train, you want to eat well, all these things, if you're getting a lack of sleep, your body's not going to be uh, reacting as, as effectively as it can be. So number one, sleep, then your sleep ritual surrounding that. 
So always make sure there's a sleep ritual at night before going to bed, which is when I sign off my day. So whether it's journaling, uh, which I normally recommend, quick 15 minutes to just remove your thoughts, get that out of the way. Like you are saying before, so many people struggle to go to sleep because there's so many thoughts. Journaling removes those thoughts and then also planning and preparing for, your, for tomorrow, for the next day. I think that's so important as well because then you can just wake up in the morning, start your day with a game plan already in place. You can reset, start your day, game plan. Uh, you have your bag packed, all your food sorted, everything. So you can just start, get moving. So that's my nighttime ritual. Uh, also remove all like blue light because we know that you know blue light uh, mimics the sunlight which then releases uh, cortisol and affects your release of melatonin which is like your sleep. So if you're having lots of light before going to bed, it's going to affect your ability to go to sleep. So I do that at night. Blue light, you obviously meaning by mobile phones, just in case people are not, not yeah, sure yeah. what blue light is. It's obviously yeah. TVs, computers, iPhones, just anything. All artificial light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It mimics the sun. So yeah. our brain doesn't know the difference between the sun or any artificial light. And so if it thinks that there's still sunlight, the body's not going to release melatonin, which helps you sleep. Yeah. And it will keep cortisol running, which is your stress hormone. So if you want to go to sleep, you could get like, uh, you know, blue light blockers, glasses. So yep. it's just like the orange lens, uh, which removes blue light. Uh, you could do that and remove as much artificial light as possible. Put some candles on, put a salt lamp on, all diffuser, what have you, and just try and remove as much light as possible because then it's going to release more melatonin. You're going to have a better quality of sleep. Uh, so do that before bed. In the morning, I start off my day always with gratitude. I create a mind movie, which I got from multiple things, uh, you know, storytelling for yourself to so create your own story, where you are or where you've been, where you are now, where you want to go. And then also got it from Joe Dispenza and Joe Dispenza talks about it in his book, um, How to Be Supernatural. And it's just this, it ended up being 20 minutes, it ended up being longer than I wanted, but I created like a slideshow on my computer that goes from where I've been, where I want to go and what my goals are. And every single morning I watch this 20 minute video and it's me talking to myself. And it was just talking to myself and going and being like my own hype man, you know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah fuck you, Nova, you yeah. got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I start yeah. every single day with that, reminding myself of who I am, where I want to go. And that allows me to just work through the challenges of life. Because life is always going to challenge us. So I do that every single morning with Wim Hof breathing. So some yep. sort of breathing technique as well. And then I also do like just a uh, cold shower sometimes. I'm not, I kind of moved away from cold showers. I want to more of a relaxing morning experience just ease myself into the day. So I, do, I always get outside, get out into the grass, get some fresh air when I wake up as well, when I watch this movie, jump on like a little trampoline, just stuff like that, get my body yeah. moving. So I do that every single morning. So first one, sleep, night and morning rituals. The next one's meditation and I'll do that midday every single day. I do 30 minute meditation midday and take it wherever it takes you. You know, are the silence, sometimes you need silence. And eventually I feel like you get better with the intuition of knowing where should I take this meditation today? Should it be a more active meditation where I actually go through my thoughts and process it? Is that what's needed right now? Or am I actually overly processing things right now? Do I need to be in silence? So eventually you get better with that. Don't judge yourself through the meditation process. If you have thoughts that come through, learn to move through that. Don't judge yourself. You get better at it. If you want to be silent, go through and be silent. You know, it's up to you. Uh, so meditation being the third one and then journaling. I think journaling is the next one yep. uh, where I will just write out everything that, or journaling and planning actually, planning is probably one of the big ones where I plan out my life. I plan out every single week on Monday or Sunday night, I'll do like a two, three hour planning session where I'll plan out, I'll reflect on my mind movie, so where I want to go, and then I'll plan out my whole entire week of what I need to do to succeed and move forward because then I just follow my plan. There's no thought to it. 
because every single day I'm going to have limiting beliefs. We're going to be challenged by our thoughts. Mm. I'm always, every single day, going to be challenged by, oh, am I good enough at this or good enough at that? When I see my plan and I go, this is what I've set myself out to do, I trust myself and love myself and listen to that. Mm. So I would say sleep, sleep rituals, meditation, journaling, and planning. And then outside of that, obviously, exercise and nutrition. Yeah. But they're the biggest habits that I ever follow. If anyone follows those, you'll discover so much about yourself. You'll gain more stillness and silence, more confidence and love for yourself. And when you're more confident, more knowing of yourself and love yourself, you're going to live more congruent to yourself. Yeah. I think once you have awareness, you can't escape it. Yeah. 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 Um, What would a bad day look like for you? Mm. And how do you deal with a bad day? That's a good question. Yeah. So many good questions, guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, curious. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Really good. A bad day. Oof. Um, it'll normally come from just feeling overwhelmed. You know, it, crazy enough, we know we talk about if you're present, you're calm because you're just present. It's whenever I think about the future, yeah. whenever I'm so caught up in like, oh man, I want to open up a health center in a major city. I'm struggling to hold 10 employees. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm literally in the state that I currently am. I'm struggling to become the best leader I can for the 10 employees that I have now. And that's the biggest struggle I have. And so whenever I'm having thoughts of the future and I'm overly stressed and I'm thinking about that, I start to have self-doubt and I go, I'm not good enough. The reality is obviously I'm not good enough to do that because I'm not there yet. You know, I've got so much more knowledge and wisdom to gain before I could even do that, which is the purpose of this journey. So if a bad day comes along, it normally looks like, you know, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, I'm worried about the future. And with that comes along, I would... I would tend to push myself to get the work done as soon as possible to the best ability that I can and then and just listen to myself you get better at listening to yourself and then I'll just take more time off I'll tend to meditate lay down and just reflect yeah. um, look over my goals looking over my goals helps a lot so if I'm having a really bad day and I'm anxious and stressed about the future I'll look at my goals and remind myself of why I want to achieve that I'll just be like oh, I want to you know I want to have these health centers for this reason Exactly. My why will always, always trump the stress and the anxiety or whatever. And then also just remind myself of the pain as well. I think it's important to have both. So remind myself of the pleasure of what it would be like to actually achieve what I want to achieve. But also remind myself of the pain of how I would feel if I don't try. Mm. You know, if I do not try, I'm going to be like everyone else. You know, the majority of the population that just... They're in the, the yeah, go through the motions and they're on the deathbed just so upset about their inability to actually step out and do it. Yeah. You know, and that's, I don't want that pain. I, I'm, I'm terrified by that feeling. Do you think you put too much pressure on yourself though? Does that in the past, you not so, anymore. So that's kind of like what I was actually wanting to ask as well because you were talking about how you've got uh, the, that video that you kind of talk to yourself about your future and stuff mm. like that. Um, you say you reflect back to your goals um, and stuff, you know, but when, when I get overwhelmed or when actually anyone gets overwhelmed, usually it's either, um, you know, thinking about the past mm. uh, or you're overthinking the future. So yeah. with you, with your goals set out mm. um, and that video saying like where you want to go, do you mm. ever feel that pressure mm. that you're think, you know, planning the future too much because mm. I, I get confused between that, whether, um, whether I'm, you know, planning the future too much or whether I should be sitting a little bit more back in the present. it's that hard balance of like, you want to be present in the moment. Mm. You also want to have goals and things to work towards, but you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself to get there because you want to be happy with how you are as well. You know what I mean? Mm. Finding that balance. Cause that's something that I yeah, also just something with. I struggle yeah. with as well. How do you, how are you meant to be present and stay in this moment, mm. but also be able to, 
move forward without putting too much pressure on what the future's outcome will be? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not pressured by the outcome. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I have been, but recently, like I said, the last six months or so, I'm not pressured by the outcome. I'm more, I want to live congruently to myself. And so when I look at those goals, I'm looking at the goals to remind myself of myself. I feel like we get tricked so much by our limiting beliefs and our emotions and what, you know, society put upon us that when I'm normally when I'm stressed out or anxious it's because I'm subconsciously being stressed out and anxious. Mm. So looking at my mind movie or looking at my goals is just consciously reminding myself of what I want to do. I think it's more like I'll be doing something, I'll be doing some sort of task or what have you and I'll be working. I'm like, I'm so tired of doing this. The reality is I don't want to do half the things that I do every single day. But it's the truth. Mm. I would rather sit down and talk to you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to do this. Yeah, Yeah, like this would be great. If I could do this and the whole entire world could listen to it and it could impact them and change their lives, I would do it. Yeah. However, I need to run a business and create, I need to do things to create the, uh, to create the environment that I want to for other people to move into, which is the health Mm. centers. So there'll be moments where I'm stuck just like subconsciously thinking like, I don't want to do this. But when I then sit back with that, which creates the stress, and then I sit back and remind myself consciously of the reasons why I'm doing it, I'm not doing it for the outcome. You know, I am doing it for the outcome in the essence that I want to help people, but I'm not doing it. I'm not so fixated on the idea. Mm. I, I love the saying that you don't, don't get so stuck and fixated on an idea. Be happy to lose that idea. I don't care even if the health centers die. If something else happens and I find out that I can reach and impact the world differently to the health centers, then I will do that. Mm. But the health centers right now is the one thing that I feel like the world is needing and I yeah. feel like I could deliver to the world. I feel like I'm really good at being able to create that and I'm, I feel like I can handle that stress because I don't feel stress anymore. So I feel I could do that. Um, so yeah, so me looking at my mind movie and look at my goals, it's not so much like getting stressed and anxious about the future. It's more just grounding myself, if anything, and reminding myself, hey man, you love this. You know, mm. you, you enjoy it. Like, you want to... Do you think you're okay with, like, your future outcome being whatever it is because you are happy with yourself in this present moment? Yeah, and I think... But I think I'm happy with myself in this present moment because I'm also not stressed about the future, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same thing. Because I think yeah. that could be a reason mm. for me is, like, possibly the reason why I do stress about the future and put so much pressure on my future is because, realistically, I'm not happy with where I'm at at the moment Mm. if I was more accepting of where I am now it's like I've got all this room for improvement but I'm okay with where I'm at rather than thinking like where I'm at now is like terrible like I need to move forward and Mm. it puts that anxiety and pressure on yourself Mm. that you need to move forward yeah Yeah. Yeah. which you are anyway like we're always moving forward Mm. well not always but for for you two anyway people like yourselves and your personalities you guys are going to move forward Hopefully. <laughs> there might be a point in your life where you lose your shit and you're just like, no, nah, I'm not moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Which may happen, but I, I, I think, especially you guys in relationship with each other, it's good to have that relationship because you guys will... You prob- I'm sure it happens already. You guys have flows where you're down, but she's up and then vice versa and you're able to yeah. pick each other up, which is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Obviously, That's- in a relationship, it's it becomes hard when both of us are in a low. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that obviously becomes hard. But, yeah. um, I've gotten yeah. a lot better at dealing with it. Yeah, but very. Yeah. It can yeah. be really hard. But, yeah. but, but dealing with that in a relationship comes down to knowing yourself and understanding yourself because mm. obviously when you get when you both get in those lows it's not necessarily how can we come together as a relationship to fix this mm. it's 
what can I do individually and what can she understand to help me out and what can I, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a whole like an interdependent relationship. You're not independent on upon each other. You're independent as an individual, but then you also choose to come together within that. So interdependency. So, so I probably have maybe one last question. I could talk. So I could just keep going all day. This is what we love about this stuff. We can just go on forever. but. But, um, do you think then it's super important to know your why? Because you sort of 100%. keep coming back to your why and saying that's what drives you. You know, if you have a bad day, you think about your why. Or if you're feeling stressed, you think about why am I doing this? 100%. I think this is like, did you want to say something? But yeah, because yeah. what I want to add on to that is um, what if, because like I, I heard that a lot. I hear like, oh, you need to know your why, you need to know your why. But it's going to sound weird for me to say, but this what, recent if you, perspective what if you don't have a why? Like what if you're confused on your why? You know what I mean? Well, not only that, recently, um, one of the books I'm reading, and also I can't remember where we got it from, but one of the people that we've been listening to said, like, we actually don't have a purpose as humans. Like, we're not all here to, like, figure ourselves out and find this purpose. Like, our purpose is to just be. And that really challenged my thoughts because I've always believed we need to know why we're here. Everybody has their own purpose. Like, I need to figure out what my purpose is on this earth and why I do what I do and what I'm working towards. But, like this other perspective was like there is no purpose for mm. you like everyone is purposely just here to be mm. like just it's, to live it's what the Dalai Lama talks about he says yeah. you're here to you live observe and learn and yeah. grow and yeah. then pass like yeah. it's simply what we're here for mm. but so I've I, I struggle with that because I've always felt like I need to know my why like I need mm. to know what my purpose is like what am I here for like who am I and I put so much pressure on that mm. And then it kind of challenged me when I was like, well, what if there is no purpose? Like, yeah. And then I actually felt really sad about that because I was mm. like, if I have no purpose, like, who am I? And that's when Tyler was kind of like, but that's the beautiful thing. Like, you're just here. Like, you're just alive. Like, just be grateful. But I was kind of mm. like, but I need more. Like, I want to be more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's what we get trapped on, like, trapped into, uh, whether through society or what have you. I don't know where those beliefs come from, you know, because I've gone through those beliefs as well. However, I just think that, we're here to just be and be happy. And then whatever, whatever pulls you, like whatever pulls you is your purpose. You know, whatever, whatever pulls you to do something, like it's something, like I said earlier, if something makes you nervous, but also empowers you to move forward and makes you feel, you know, just amazing. and makes you feel empowered after you do it. Yeah. You feel excited after overcoming mm. that challenge or what have you, that's what you should be doing. I think that's your purpose. It's just like man search for meaning. So maybe we put too much pressure on, what our purpose is then instead of just being like whatever that is whatever drives us is enough you know what I mean exactly whatever we feel like doing or whatever plus also whatever we feel like we're good at right or what we are good at not only perceived to be good at because I can be perceived I can perceive that I'm good at basketball but I'm terrible at basketball I'm honestly so bad at basketball so like I could have that perception right but we also need to be true to ourselves and go okay what am I good at what sort of set of tools that I have that I'm good at and what do I enjoy doing with those tools that's most likely what we should be sharing with the world because mm. then you're good at something you're good at those tools and you also enjoy it and if they, if you enjoy it then that you, you're winning life mm. and, and we always have that as well we all ha- we all have those if we look deeply within ourselves there's something that we're decent at that we can make good income from if we need to and it's also something that we really enjoy doing every single day. That's it. And that's what I know I'm good at. I'm through my childhood and through school and what have you, I'm really good at speaking. I'm really good at 
uh, like being uncomfortable. I've been in very uncomfortable situations my whole entire life. So I'm not challenged by anything. I don't have a lot of fear. You know, I do get nervous and I'm happy, but I'm not that scared. I'm very much like, uh, my housemates try and scare me and I go to attack. Like I'm that sort of person. Yeah. So I know that I'll never back down and I know I'm a great leader. And so I know that. And then also I really just enjoy talking to people and helping people. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, cool, that's it. Like that is literally my purpose. Yeah. And my purpose could change at any moment. I could wake up one day and go, you know what, actually I feel like doing this. And if that is it, then so be it. Yep. I think we, we don't, it's healthy to not fall in love with the idea, but just move with whatever feels right now in this moment. And that could change at any point. Like any single moment in your whole entire yep. life, that could change. So then I guess just to wrap it up, um, the one question I was going to ask is just basically what is one thing that you would want to tell the audience mm. that can help them in their day? Well, just not even help them, just what is one thing that is part of your message and part of your, your vision of what you want the audience to know? Man, that's a tough one. I've been thinking about this a lot. So I ask myself every single day, every single morning when I start the day, what's the one thing... Like if I was to die today, like, what do you want people to yeah, take what, from it? Yeah. What would I spend my time doing? And I know what I would do. And I tell everyone this is I would just go on YouTube and have this like 12 hour me just talking and expressing and, and like speaking to the world about the importance of finding yourself and being that. I think that is it because if we're not being ourselves, then we're not even loving the people around us because how can they love us and how can we love them if we're not being true to ourselves? Mm. So the biggest thing I think I would ever send, like deliver to anyone, and this is what I'm trying to deliver to people and I'm trying to find ways to communicate it or get people to come to the realization because it's hard. Like I could tell people right now, find yourself by doing generally a meditation and be that and express that fully. However, people are going to instantly come up with limiting beliefs and self-doubt or, or messages to themselves that are going to stop them from doing that and I know that. So yeah. I want to spend my time trying to find ways to break open their mind and to help them do that however my message will 100% be that find yourself and be yourself completely find what you're good at find what you're bad at accept it accept what you're good at accept what you're bad at and then do what you love to do that you're also good at don't don't be you know uh, disillusioned you know uh, delusion yeah delusional? Delusional, delusional yeah yeah don't be delusional and you know tell yourself that you're good at something you're not good at yeah. you know like be real with yourself and then find something that you really enjoy doing, express that and be yourself every single day, every single moment, because you're going to be loved for that. Yeah. Like we're going to be loved for everything. I always think about like, I was loved in some way when I was the person that I used to be, that I'm very proud of. If I could be loved in that space, I could be loved for being me because you're always going to have people that connect with you. Yeah. So always. If, always. Yeah. If you're fearful of being loved, you might as well express yourself fully and be loved for that person that you truly are. Cause you're not going to have a limit of love. There's always going to be people that can... And also, being a character will cause depression. If you're trying yeah. to be a character for people to love, mm. you're going to become depressed quite quickly. Yep. So, being yourself and people loving you for yourself, you don't have mm. to act it. You exactly. know, it, it comes very comfortable to you if you can just be yourself and people love you for that. Like, yeah. you might only... You might have a limiting amount of people that you know are very close to you when you are yourself but it's much better than having a lot more people loving you for the character that you're trying to act out it's so much better and yeah. it's hard to receive love when you're being loved for someone you're not yeah like and you know that we we can't lie to ourselves and the reality is we're also walking billboards if you think people don't know what's going on within your life that's that's mm. you're, you're lying to yourself yeah. like intuitively intuitively if we look at someone we know that there's something happening like we know yeah. that um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We it's hard to be loved 
and receive love. I mean, receive love when you're being loved for someone you're not because you yeah. know you're not that person. You yeah. know that you're someone else. You're putting on a mask. So if someone loves you for the mask that you wear, you're not going to feel the love no. because you know that you're someone else. Yeah. So my biggest advice for anyone, find yourself and be that. Yeah. Otherwise, life is going to be tough and yeah. life is going to be hard. Awesome. Yeah. Couldn't agree well, more. Thank you very much for that. Um, thank you. Did you want to plug yourself real quick on Instagram and stuff? Sure, so why not? Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, firstly, thank you guys for the podcast. You That's guys right. are great. Yeah, yeah, really good. <laughs> thank like, you for coming yeah, on. Yeah, great question. Really vibe with you guys. Um, I'm really excited to see you guys' journey as well. So. Thank yeah. you. Uh, in regards to plugging myself, uh, my Instagram's just Navarpool. So yep. N-A-V-A-R-P-O-O-L-E. And then my Instagram for Strength Emotion Academy is SM Academy AUS. Yep. And so check out our... Uh, our Instagram for the gym as well because there's lots of really good information there as well and you can see my team you can start following my team as well because they're amazing I love my coaches and then yeah check out my page I share a lot of life coaching stuff and what have you yeah. uh, when I am using Instagram anyway I've had a couple of weeks off yeah. but yeah I try and share as much as I can if anyone wants to reach out to me with questions about have you I'm always available to answer and help yep. so. we'll, um, we'll, we'll yeah below. I was going to say yeah. we'll, we'll link <laughs> it in the description anyways with the, your Instagram for both the gym and your personal one and um yeah. Thank, Thank you, you very so much, much for having a chat with us. Thank you guys. Loved it. Awesome.